about knowing when to say, I'm sorry. It's about making the decision to choose what's more important. No, wait. This wait. It's about doing little acts of kindness, even when no one else is around. Small things, done consistently, end up having the greatest spiritual impact. Morning, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King. We've been doing this series called Small Things, and so today we're going to start with a very small, seemingly insignificant spiritual exercise where we're going to pray a simple five-word prayer. Father God, speak to me. I know I need to hear that right now because if I'm not paying attention to what God has to say, this is just going to be a, a complete waste of time. And I don't want to waste time of your day, especially when it is so absolutely gorgeous outside. So let's just take a moment. Let's bow our head and close our eyes just simply for the sake of concentration. And let's just quiet our heart. And I'm going to invite you right now just to pray that five-word prayer with me. Father God, speak to me. Pray that in the deepest part of your soul. Father God, I do not want to waste anyone's time today. And Lord, I know this. If you don't do the speaking, this will be a colossal waste. So Lord, for my own soul, for my own heart, I simply pray, Father God, speak to me. May I listen to the direction of your Holy Spirit today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. amen. Woke up the other night in the middle of the night and I heard this obnoxious sound. <laughs> 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 What in the world is that? It must have stopped because I drifted back off to sleep, but I woke up the next morning and I asked Laurel, I said, did you hear that obnoxious sound last night? She goes, yeah. She goes, I think it's a frog in our neighbor's pond. Now I'm thinking to myself, that's got to be an 800-pound frog because that is a loud noise and the windows are closed. That is just weird. Now I have been told by other people who live out in the country that if you put about a thousand of those frogs together that they just create a beautiful symphony that will lull you to sleep. But I'll tell you something, that single frog was worse than a six-year-old with a French horn because it was rude to wake me up in the middle of the night. It didn't sound anything like ribbit at all. All I heard was so we start making inquiries of our neighbors because my neighbor Levi built this beautiful water feature in his backyard. It is gorgeous. It runs all the time. Love the sound of the water. But, you know, we wanted to check and find out if they would do something about their pets um, that had just showed up in that particular water feature only to find out they'd been staying awake at night too. And Levi had been out hunting frogs <laughs> trying to get some peace back into the neighborhood. So we had this night the other night. We're like, eh. They hear it again. I'm like, we got to do something about this. So get this picture. Laurel and I are out in our neighbor's backyard 
Because they're in Seattle with buckets, flashlights, and a stick, right? We're going after the 800-pound frog, and I'm thinking evil thoughts. I don't care if it is God's creature. That creature is stealing my sleep. When I steal is my sleep, I'm grumpy. When I'm grumpy, I want to do bad things to that frog. So we begin to search, and we hear the frog. I'm standing. It's cold outside. I'm standing in the pond on a rock ledge, and the frog is from underneath of me. It's like he's taunting me. It's like, you can't do anything, you big bipod of a man. You can't do anything. I'm this, it's driving me crazy. And then I see it. I actually dislodged it, ran my hand underneath of a rock ledge, and all of a sudden, boom, into the water. The size of a silver dollar. This little, tiny frog. I'm thinking, how does that much noise come out of this little, tiny creature? So I caught him, and I relocated him to heaven. And, and I just, I'm like... <laughs> Relax. He actually now resides down the street with another neighbor, which is just perfect. <laughs> Don't write me a bad letter, okay? The crazy thing is, as of last night, there is a new frog back in that pond. I heard him once. You know, I'm just amazed at how that little creature, like that small little thing, that, that single croak from a single frog could change the direction of my thought life. Like, it was amazing how quickly I just started thinking bad things. So we're going to take a cue from the frog, and I'm hoping this week, and we're going to take a cue from four little creatures that I hope will have the same kind of spiritual effect on all of us, but in a positive direction. We've been doing this series called Small Things, and in preparation for this series, I'm also prepping for the next series. So during the month of May, we're going to take five weeks, we're going to walk through the book of Proverbs, not the entire book, but we're going to hit some highlights I want to challenge you to be thinking about something, okay? The book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, month of May, 31 days. So reading a chapter a day of Proverbs, because I don't know about you, but I, I always need more wisdom. Always, always, always. But as I'm prepping for that, I begin to read ahead, and I run into this small portion of Scripture that holds big wisdom for our small things series. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 30. So if you've got a Bible, an app, or your outline, I'm going to invite you to follow along with me just so you can make sure I'm not lying to you. Bible says this, verse 24, Proverbs 30. Four things on earth are small and yet are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, and yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, and yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, and yet it is found in king's palaces. So this message is, is about critter wisdom. Last week we talked about bugs for a little bit, and, and, and I, I, I took you back to a moment when I saw a child experience a bug, and, and, and then I asked you a question as adults, where is your childlike wonder gone? Where are those moments? So this week we're going to learn some big truth from some small members of the animal and insect kingdom. The writer of this proverb is not Solomon. I'll cover that in the, in the proverb series, okay? But this very wise man starts with the picture of ants, okay? In fact, let me show you a picture of some ants. The fact that they're on a Pringle just makes me happy. I don't know why. <laughs> the Bible says ants are creatures of little strength, and yet they store up their food in the summer. Now relax, because some of you are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, we learned in fourth grade science that ants are actually unbelievably strong, okay? Very true. And in comparison, 
they have relatively massive strength with regard to their size. However, in comparison to a human being, which we all happen to be, they actually seem unbelievably feeble. Okay, so we need to understand this. The writer of Proverbs says, answer of little strength. They're small, they're easily stepped on. They seem insignificant unless, of course, they're excavating underneath of your home and then they can cause unbelievable damage if you leave them there for a long enough period of time. But alone and in perspective, answer of little strength. They are small in strength but big when it comes to making wise decisions because the Bible tells us that they like to make hay when the sun is shining. That they like to accomplish work in the right season. So ants are big when it comes to using the next season they're in to prepare for what's going to be coming next. They are of little strength, but they've got a gift. The Bible says that they have the gift of foresight and preparation. Ants like to work ahead. They know something. The winter is coming and there's going to be no food. So they spend their time storing up provision so that they don't go through a season when they're unbelievably hungry. They're always looking towards the future. So there's two huge learning points here. And I know for a fact, when I started looking through this stuff, I'm like, God, this stuff is so simplistic. And God's answer to me was, I know. It's so simplistic. But here's the question. Are you humble enough to learn from simple truth? Sometimes we can think, man, it's got to be so deep for us to get it. But here's the question. If it's deep, are you doing it? Let's start in the shallow end of the pool and work our way down. Two unbelievable learning points here. Answer of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. So what can we learn from them? We need to learn this. A solid work ethic creates margin in the future. You know, I've got a conviction. As a follower of Jesus, I believe that I should have the best work ethic, period. I believe, because Scripture says that as a believer, I'm supposed to work as under the Lord. I don't have an earthly boss. I don't have an earthly boss. All of my work comes underneath the purview of the lordship of Jesus Christ, which means we should be the hardest working, most particular kind of worker that there is because of who our boss actually is. I'm going to talk about that this summer in a series we're calling Taboo. I'm going to tackle the sin of sloth, and I can't wait. I can't wait because Scripture says we are supposed to be the most proficient workers on the planet. Here's some simple wisdom. The Bible says this, you don't work, you don't eat. Some people need to hear that. You don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says we should plan ahead. Proverbs 16, commit to the Lord whatever you do. He will establish your plan. The Bible says to lazy people, go to the ant, you sluggard. Interesting. Consider her ways, be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. I mean, the Bible warns people of a small thing. If if you're not working, that's a small thing but can have a big consequence. So I'm just saying this. Don't let me offend you. The Bible's going to do that all by itself when it comes to being lazy. Scripture says a slack hand causes poverty. Now let's just stop for a second. I'm not talking about those that can't work. And I'm not talking about those in our world today who have oppressive systems that press them into poverty. That's not what Scripture is addressing here. It's talking about those who have the ability and just choose not to. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Proverbs chapter 10. So what can we learn from a small thing like an ant? We can learn this. Work is holy and foresight is wise. 
So many of us are spending all of our time focusing on making sure that everything is good in this lifetime. I've got a question for you. What about the next season of your life in eternity? What are you doing now that will establish eternal consequence and ramification? Because we get so myopic, so focused in on what's right in front of us. Let's keep going. Next, he mentions something called a hyrax. The Bible says hyraxes are creatures of little power, and yet they make their homes in the crag. Some of your translations will say conies. Some of your translations will say rock badgers, okay? The actual Latin term is hyrax. Let me show you a picture of some hyraxes. Wow. They're just a little puddle of cute, aren't they? Some of you are like, we're going straight to PetSmart, and I'm going to buy myself a hyrax. That's what I'm going to do. Because they just, they're just hanging out together. Can I tell you something about these guys? The Bible says that hyraxes are feeble. This is the wussiest animal that you are ever going to find on the, play, on the face of the earth. They just are. Okay? The Bible says, the writer says, hyraxes are feeble. They've got no power. They're also called rock badgers, but I'm going to tell you something. The badger family wants nothing to do with these guys. Because badgers have attitudes. These guys, their paws are so weak, they can't even dig their own hole. They're completely vulnerable. They are exposed. There's a word for them in the animal kingdom. Lunch meat. That's how it goes when it comes to hyraxes. We saw these little guys when we were in Israel. We're at Caesarea Philippi. Those of you that are coming with me in about a week, we're at Caesarea Philippi. And I can hear this whistling sound. And I'm looking down and around on the ground, right? Like I'm looking for a frog. And these animals just, they bug me, okay? They're always making noise, right? And I'm, just, I'm looking around on the ground because I hear these whistles. Sounds like the, the little groundhog guy from Winnie the Pooh that whistles through his teeth all the time. You know? I can hear this sound. Like, what in the world is that? And our guide, Sam, says, he goes, you're looking the wrong direction. I'm like, what? He goes, don't look down, look up. And I look up on the rock cliffs, and there's these little fuzzy little cute faces looking down, staring down at us, peeking out from among the rocks. They're feeble. That's what the Bible says. But they have a gift. They have the gift of wise sanctuary. I told you, they're too weak to dig a burrow. So what do they do? They actually work their way up amongst the rocks, and they get up and elevated so they have these little tiny crags in the jagged rocks, and that's where they make their home. I was amazed as I'm standing there looking at these fuzzy faces looking down at me. It reminded me of the little French peas from the VeggieTale movie, Josh and the Big Wall. All the parents in the room know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You know, it's like they could say, you know, hello, Mr. Pastor from Washington. We have a wall, and you are down there, and we are up here, and you are stupid because I can do whatever I want to from here. I will throw a rock at you. I mean, it... <laughs> and why Jewish hyraxes have French accents, I have no idea. <laughs> just, just roll with it, okay? Wow. But here's the idea, all right? Hyraxes know how to pick a home. Do you? So many of us, we're trying to find shelter 
in worldly wisdom, in worldly philosophy. We're trying to find shelter in the stock market, in our 401k. We're trying, to, we're trying to find wisdom in our own devices. i got a question for you, church. Are you building a home that will last for all of eternity? Are you choosing to take up residence in your own smarts? Or are you wise enough like a hyrax to plant your feet so that when the world shifts, you can say, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Just ask him. Hyraxes are feeble, but they've got the gift of wise sanctuary. So what can we learn? We need to learn that our sanctuary is in the rock that is Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. If you build your home anywhere else than on that solid foundation, it will collapse. So make like a hyrax and take the high road. Let's keep going. He talks about locusts. Locusts have no king, Scripture says, yet they advance together in ranks. Here's a picture of a single locust. Growing up in Manitoba, we had lots of their little cousin, the grasshopper, that hung around. A single grasshopper or a locust is no big deal. But I'll tell you what, when they are in a swarm, here's a picture of a group of them, they are intimidating. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says locusts are leaderless. So there's no one in charge, and you think that would be a problem, but they have a gift that compensates for the fact that they're leaderless. They have the gift of community cooperation. Apart, a locust, no big deal. Together, they can strip a wheat field in a matter of minutes. All by themselves, they'll bounce off your windshield and you'll think, that's no big deal. But together, they can ruin a 100-year-old tree in seconds when they just swarm on it. So what can we learn from a leaderless community? I mean, what in the world would God want us to learn from this group of swarming insects that tends to bring devastation everywhere they go? I think we can learn this. We need to learn to create a cooperative effort to change the spiritual landscape of our community. I mean, I look at this in the negative aspects of how locusts can just devastate growth. It's, just, it's somewhat off-putting. But I want you to take that idea and I want you to just twist it in your mind just a little bit. Here's what I know. All alone... I can't do much about the hunger problem in Whatcom County. All alone, I can't. But together, if every one of us would sacrifice just a little and fill the food bank box to overflowing and put it together with the staff who works at the food bank, and then we bring in the 40,000 pounds of produce that the CTK Garden produced last year, we put all of that together and we corporately, we can devastate hunger in Whatcom County together. We can do that together. Alone doesn't seem like much. You know, alone, I can't do much. But together, using our influence, having the conversations that God has called us to, we can change the spiritual landscape of this county. Because here's the coolest thing. We're not leaderless. Do we get that? We're not leaderless. Our senior pastor is not Grant, Todd, or Frank. Thank you, Jesus, for that. You know who the senior pastor of this church is? Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. We're not leaderless. We have an amazing leader, and he's begging us to get in rank, fall in line, and actually change the spiritual landscape of our county. Let's keep going. Next, he moves on to a lizard. Verse 28. A lizard can be caught with a hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. Let me show you a picture of a lizard. Okay. <laughs> I love the little CTK mug. That is very cool. 
All right. The lizard is not selling car insurance with an Australian slash New Zealand slash British accent. Let me show you a picture of a real lizard. There we go. Awesome. Now for perspective, just like last week when the fingers were holding the mustard seed, just right on the end of the tip of a human finger, this little insignificant, little insignificant lizard. Now the Bible tells us this, admittedly, catching a lizard can be tough if you're not very quick, but when you actually get a hold of them, they're pretty helpless. I mean, it wouldn't take much just to, mm, not that I'd want you to do that, okay? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says lizards are easily captured. And before you go, yeah, exactly, I got a question for you. When was the last time you were easily caught? Anybody get caught in a lie in the last week? Anybody get caught in a habitual sin that you promised God over and over again? I'm, I'm going to get on top of that, I promise you. I'm going to never, ever, ever do that again. Famous last words. Anybody else get caught in temptation the last seven days? Anybody else get caught in a scenario that you created all on your own and then had to beg God to get you out of? Anybody else? We're easily caught. The Bible said the lizard's caught with a hand, but they have a gift. And the gift is this, is strategic access. They're easily caught, but their size allows them access to some really big places. In fact, Scripture says that even though they're tiny and insignificant, they make their homes in king's palaces. I've been in some nice resorts, been blessed to take some vacations, and I'm amazed. I can be paying for really nice accommodations, and everywhere I go, there are lizards living there for free. <laughs> you ever notice that? I mean, just go to a Mexican resort sometime, right? Little gecko flying here, and they're crawling over here. They're up in the corner over there looking at you just like you had to pay for it. <laughs> I'm here every single day. It's amazing. They just show up because they can, because they have access. They utilize access to live in high places, and they use their small size to great effect. What can we learn from that? I believe we need to learn this. We need to learn to discover and leverage our unique place in God's plan. Once again, it's about doing this all together. Here's the reality, my friends. Even though I have a microphone, you can go places I can't go. You can speak in places I can't speak. You're in relationships I can never have access to. And God has put you there uniquely with a unique set of gifts for His glory. He just wants to know whether or not you'll actually be brave enough to open your mouth. I mean, think about this. We have the cure to the common sin. And yet we sit silent and mute. And God says, no, I've given you unique access. I need you to speak there because nobody else can get into those amazing close quarters. I always try to challenge you guys to, to, you know, to serve and to volunteer. And I like to practice what I preach. It just seems to make sense. So I volunteer as a chaplain with the sheriff's department. I just have an unbelievable love and respect for our law enforcement community. And it's just my small way of saying thank you to the men and women who keep us safe every single night. I get to ride in their cars. I ride in the front seat, just for the record, okay, all right? <laughs> Some of you have ridden in the back seat, and welcome to Christ the King. We're glad you're here. You're going to fit right in, all right? You're going to fit right in with the rest of us. I get welcomed into their cars. I get to sit in their offices. I get to, I get to talk them through those heartbreaking calls that don't make the front of the newspaper. It's a unique place of access. It seems small, but I've noticed something. If I do it consistently, 
it creates trust, and trust leads to a conversation, and conversation leads to hope, and hope leads to just a little bit of help when it comes to understanding that we care. So I got a question for you. Where's God placed you uniquely for his glory? What, what little crack can you get through in society so that you have access into a person's life? I love these little critters and their big wisdom. Ant, hyrax, locust, and lizard. They're all asking us tough questions. My question is this. Are we humble enough to actually hear what they have to say? Will we allow them to plumb the depth of our soul? Because maybe the ant today is asking you about your work ethic. Maybe the ant convicted you about the fact you're just flat out lazy. You claim to know God, but by your actions you deny Him. And maybe the ant is sticking his tiny little antenna in your chest saying, you could learn a few things from me. Maybe the ant is asking you about your work ethic, your passion, your ability to stick it out, your ability to be faithful, your ability to follow the example of Jesus who did menial jobs for God's glory. Remember last week's message? We're asking the question, what is the king of kings doing? Washing feet, working with lepers with communicable diseases, and making breakfast for his followers on a beach. Isn't that below him? Apparently not. Maybe the ant is asking you about the humility it takes to start low and work your way up. Maybe the ant is asking you about looking forward and allowing God to use this season of small things to create a consistent and growing impact. I know we are so consumed with preparing for this season, but I'm going to ask you again, what about eternity? What are you doing to prepare for eternity? Who are you going to take with you into eternity? How are you going to show up on that first day of access to heaven? How will you give an account for your life? What are you doing in this season that will prepare you for that one? The Hyrax may be asking you a question, but where you put your security? You're spending your whole life down on the ground, completely exposed and vulnerable and just hoping to make it to lunchtime? Or are you wise enough? Here's the amazing thing about how God equips these. these I mean, the, the hyrax is feeble. That's what it says. It, it, it's feeble, but it's amazing. Their paws are so weak, they can't dig a hole, but they, they secrete a fluid out of the pads on, their, uh, on, uh, on the bottom of their paws that actually allows them to climb a sheer rock wall just like Spider-Man. So unless you can do that, we probably all have something that we could learn from that. I mean, but God has given them the ability. You need to, you're exposed down low, so you need to get up high. Now, you could preach that for a year and never explore the depth of it. Where are you building your spiritual home? Is the foundation made up of your grand effort, or are you building a foundation on the solid rock of Jesus. And I understand. You may be here today, like Pastor Ryan introduced when they, when, they, when they gave us the gift of that new song. You may be feeling feeble and weak like a broken vessel. And God is asking, are you wise enough to take refuge in me? Let's keep going. The locust may be talking to you about, about the peril of doing anything alone. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the Bible keeps saying church is a team sport. Maybe you need to join the rank of a small group. And devastate your own loneliness. Maybe you need to fall in line and tackle a broken part of your past with a group of people that are not going to reject you but are going to accept you and say, we can work through that together. We all have a past around here. 
Maybe you need to stop looking to a human leader to answer all of your questions and instead spend more time seeking the wisdom of a God who can direct the locust swarm anywhere he wants it to go. Maybe the lizard is talking to you about using your little corner, that little corner of influence to touch the people that only you can touch. Maybe God is also saying to you, you need to be like the lizard because the lizard seems insignificant, but he hangs out in my throne room all the time. Maybe we should be spending more time there than anywhere else. Maybe you should use your access to show people that you actually know the real king, that you've been to the throne room and have an opportunity to invite them there. Maybe your strategic access should be a platform for you to show others that there is a narrow way that leads to salvation, and it can be intimidating to try and squeeze your way through it, but that God is strong enough to take you there. So let's ask a question. We began the message praying a simple prayer, Father God, speak to me. I can get really fancy and flowery with my prayers. I'm learning that little five-word prayer changes the way my day goes. Father God, speak to me. Amen. So let's wrap up with another small prayer. Jesus, what's the one small thing you want me to adjust so that this wisdom can create the greatest effect? We're not looking for the grand gesture here. We're not trying to overhaul every single part of your life. What is the one small thing that you want me to adjust, God, so that this wisdom can create the greatest effect? I mean, I don't know what small tweak God may be asking of you. I'm amazed how, how small he's asking me to go. I thought I'd be at least on the medium scale. No, apparently Grant needs to go tiny when it comes to incremental small changes. I want to remind you of something we covered last week. We are not human doings, we're human beings. So maybe we need to start there. Maybe God is asking you to be still, or be at peace, or be wise, or be diligent, or be prudent. The question is, are we willing to apply ourselves to everything God wants us to be? You know, I find myself when I get wrapped up in this stuff, especially in the brokenness of my own life, I always want to make the grand gesture. God, here I am again. Grant screwed up. He needs help. He needs forgiveness. God, I need to go big. And God seems to be dragging me back to over and over again saying, Grant, why don't we apply ourselves to the small things? Why don't you invite me into the small things and see what the cumulative effect may be if you're willing to go there? Because I want to remind you, small things done over a long period of time create the greatest impact. You're going to hear that over and over and over again. Small things done over a long period of time create the greatest impact. So, I'm going to remind you of the truth that we learned today. The ant applies itself to work and never goes hungry. The hyrax applies itself to a high place and it always finds a home. The locust applies itself to community. It's unbelievably effective. And the lizard applies itself to access, and it finds itself in the presence of a king. Big wisdom from small things. You know, I, I could go on for hours about the stuff I've learned about these critters. It's amazing to me. Let me throw one more thing at you. The hyrax 
is known as unclean in the Jewish tradition. It's dirty. As a good law-abiding Jewish person, you would never have anything to do with a hyrax because, because they're, they're soiled, they're dirty, they're, they're broken. And yet they find their home in a palace that was constructed by a king specifically for them. If you're anything like me, you feel like you probably qualify for the list of all the things that are dirty about the world. Because maybe you made a bad decision this week. Maybe you slipped and went back to an old sin that you promised you were going to overcome. Maybe the the enemy of your soul came and reminded you about just how broken you used to be and instead of remembering how far you've come, you just kind of got locked back up in that ugly spot in your life and your soul. This is what my Bible tells me. The King of Kings has a special place for unclean rodents. And if he's got a special place for them, imagine what he has for you. You get that? Imagine what he's preparing for you. Imagine what he has for you. If he can create a place of safety for a dirty little rodent, imagine what he would do for one of his sons or daughters. So when you walk out of here today into that beautiful, brilliant sunshine, maybe you need to just stop for a second and say, God, thanks for the reminders. Keep me working on the small things. And thank you for choosing to see me as a holy and dearly loved adopted child of the king, not a dirty little rat. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for this day and my brothers and sisters. We celebrate the fact that you can teach us through little frogs. And you can teach us through insignificant portions of your creation, and, and then when they begin to teach us, we realize they're not very insignificant at all. God, I pray for any of my brothers and sisters here, me included, who just need to apply ourselves to the small thing. God, would you give us the courage, the strength, and the passion to do that? Father, I pray for those of us who, who feel like we definitely qualify for the unclean list. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that forgives and heals that you are a God that redeems and restores. So, Father, I thank you that we're on the list for eternity if we're wise enough to turn to you and to make our home in the high place of the King's palace. So, Lord, teach us well and keep us saying, Father God, speak to me pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.